Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Find Your Finish Line, presented by Curad Performance, the official medical supplier of Iron Man. And you can get their far infrared kinesiology tape at Walmart at Ironman.com. And also, you can get it at the Expo in Kona. This is the Kona show. And they're going to have a physical therapist in the booth at the Expo in Kona. And you can get taped up, all you athletes. So make sure you take advantage of that. This show is not only about finding your finish line at a race or an event, but in life. We talk to people from all walks of life who have jumped over a lot of hurdles to get to where they are today. And so hopefully you can gain a lot from that. And as a side note, I want to thank everybody for all your incredible messages that you sent me after my announcement. I have been overwhelmed and I am so gracious with what you've said, the cards and letters that you've sent me. The little nine-year-old girl in Wisconsin that gave me a, the rock she made, and on it, it says, Radiate Positivity. Uh, that brought a tear to my eye. So thank you again, everyone, and I can't wait to see all of you going to Kona that are going to be there in Kona. And talking about Kona, we've got a guy that, I, I tell you what, he's one of the classiest men I know. Why? Because I was in a little bit of a bind on this show. I called Mark, and what's he do? Yes, Mike, whatever you need. So, Mark Allen, welcome to Find Your Finish Line again. <laughs> Thanks for having <laughs> me on, Mike. Hey, you know, I, I'm just hearing you talk about, uh, you know, announcing that you're going to be transitioning out of being, a, a, you know, the on-site announcer, the voice of Iron Man. And you get all these cool prizes. So maybe I should just announce I'm retiring so I can get some really cool stuff in the mail. Because, <laughs> you know, that's, no, it's, uh, it's just, uh, uh, you've, you've commented to me um, a few times in conversations we've had since that announcement came out, how just, you know, thousands and thousands of people who have, who reached out to you and, and congratulated you and said, hey, you, you know, you called me across and it meant so much. And so pretty amazing. That's a, you have an amazing uh, string that started what back in 1989, right? Yeah, yeah, you, you and I, big years for both of us in '89. Mm. Thank you, Mark. And and uh, you know what's interesting about it all too is people from way back are coming out of the woodwork, and I actually remember a lot of them. You know, calling them in 1990 or 91 or in 2000. So uh, it's great. It's as you know, the Iron Man family and the the triathlon family is very strong. And close knit, and this just proved it to me one more time again. So, thanks for that. But it's not about me on this podcast today. It's about Kona, the mm. Ironman World Championship coming up very soon. And Mark, you've always had that keen eye uh, with Kona, and you know, raising it and winning it six times, and then keep going back and seeing the crop of pros that have come ever since your last win, keep coming and uh, keep raising the level and raising the bar. You know, the first question I want to ask you, Mark, before we get into the pros this year is after you won the race, what are some of the most favorite wins by some of the male and female pros after you won that impressed you? Oh boy. That, that, that's a really good one. Um, 
Well, one one of the ones that that um, sort of touched me in, in a in a broader sense was when Tim DeBoom won, mm-hmm. because it was it was the first event after the nine eleven bombing in New York City. It was the first, basically, the first world championship event that that was held in the United States after nine eleven that year, and uh, it just somehow it was it was fitting that an American would win the Ironman that year, which he did, and. Uh, and, and he, you know, he's such a, he's such a quiet guy and he, he plugged away too. You know, it didn't happen at first. He was trying to learn, trying to figure it out. He tra- trained a lot with Peter Reed, Peter, whether he wanted to or not kind of shared some of his secrets and Tim capitalized on that and put, finally put it all together for that first of uh, his two wins. So that, that was an amazing one. Um, I just loved, uh, one of my favorites was just to, to, not only watch Natasha Bodman cross the finish line in first place, but then to hear her speeches at the award ceremony the following night. You know, she just has this completely different outlook on the race and and how she was, you know, soaring soaring like an eagle. I mean, I can't even recreate it because it was they were just such uh, unique and and, and cool um, acceptance speeches for her for her victory. So Mark, we we remember the exact same thing because I remember the speech standing behind her, her arms were in the air, and it was a windy year that year. And she's talking about how she's just flying through the wind like it wasn't even there. And all the athletes are going, well, I felt it, you know, but somehow Natasha just uh, cut through it like a knife. And, and her speeches, you're right. And as soon as you mentioned that, that hit me too. Her speeches were very special. Who else? So I'm Anybody gonna, else? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz you right here. So oh. this, this wasn't about the, the race. It was about the award ceremony. And I know you're going to get the answer, but who was who the man that won the year that at the award ceremony, uh, it was raining lightly and then it started raining harder and then harder and harder. And then the electricity goes out and the man, the men's champion was literally giving his speech, no lights, no microphone. And there was maybe about 50 people who were still left at the award ceremony at that point in time. Remember who that was? Yeah, that was Crowy. That was Craig Alexander. And, and it's funny because when everything started going out, it was right when we were doing the men pros and and I felt so bad for Crowy that because everybody ran out of the parking lot. It, everybody that it was a torrential downpour. It, it's people were underneath the tables in front. I remember looking down Rose was there, my wife was there that year with friends. They're under the table and finally they ran out. And Craig was giving his speech, you're right, to like 25 to 50 of us just standing in front of him. And I came off the stage to listen and he had his shirt his shirt was torn all the way open because it was so wet. He just tore his shirt. So he's bare chested giving this acceptance speech to his championship. That was a, uh, that's one I won't forget either. That was a good one. <laughs> but you know, there, there, every year is amazing. Like when the, when the, the first athletes come across the line, first man, first woman, it's, it's always something unique. There's, there's no two races that have been won with the exact same strategy. There's no two, people who've gone through the same journey to get to that point in time. Uh, you know, I mean, think about like Patrick Longa, you know, he was there and crosses the line and then he proposed to Julia to, you know, will you marry me? And, you know, another public display of, like you said, we're a big family and, and to share that, that precious moment with, 
basically the world was pretty cool and um you know to just to see just to have the sometimes it's also the consistency of an athlete that is super impressive for me not so it's not necessarily one win that i go wow that win that that person had was just like the bomb think about daniela reef you know she's she's won the race so many times and she's been so dominant every single time she's done it and she hasn't always had good races there you know she has faltered and so as strong as she can be she's also human and and just knowing that it makes the wins in my opinion even more that just that much more impressive you know because sometimes when somebody gets on a roll it's like oh, that person's unbeatable and blah 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 well she is beatable and so that's for me that's actually going to be one of the pretty the exciting moments this year in kona is is seeing how she'll do you know last year that she won was 2018 you know anna haug is is coming into the race as the defending kona champion not the defending ironman world champion that's daniella won it just this past past may in st george um but it'll be a, a really interesting if she can come back and, and win this this year again which it looks like she has a very good chance of doing think about that span of time between 2018 and 2022 and you know basically three years of no racing and you know just personal things that she's had to pull herself together from and pick up the bootstraps and relaunch and regroup and She's yeah, on form. Have, she is on form. And, and after St. George, I would have had a different conversation with you if she hadn't. A, and you probably would have just had what well, you, your statement now would have been different if she hadn't won St. George. But when Daniela, she put her stamp on I'm back bigger than anything I've ever seen because she went out there and just buried everybody basically. Mm. And when she came through that finish line, you talked about it, Mark, you can see the emotion. Even if somebody's a five time Ironman champion, the emotions are always different. The same for the age groupers. But when Danny came across that finish line in St. George and put out her hand, not as a high five, but five times, I I'm a five time champion. And I would say this fifth one was probably the sweetest she's ever had, almost more than her first one. Only she can answer that, but to look on her face. And when she came back, she partied. She was with us, my gosh, the last two or three hours, putting medals on everybody, along with Christian. So uh, it is a different conversation now, and I know the other women in the race are going, oh, my gosh, that's all we need now. Daniela's back. <laughs> you know, if she hadn't done well in St. George, they'd be thinking about other other athletes. Mark, what do you think, before we get into the athletes individually, what do you think the biggest challenge will be this year for the pros? Uh, I, I think the biggest challenge is that none of, none of them have raced there since 2019, and a lot of the true contenders are first-timers. And so it's going to be a very um, – it's going to be the kind of day where uh, if – whoever wins it is going to have to figure it, figure out the strategy that's going to put them across that line in first place on the day. Like you just can't, you can't pencil it out because you don't know how people are going to do who have not raced before. You don't know how past greats are going to race three years past since the last time they were there. So there's, I think there's more unknowns and uncertainty about the Ironman this year than ever before. And you add on top of that, kind of that that buildup of anticipation that each one of the athletes has um 
going into it because it's like, okay, finally we get to race in Kona. I get to race in Kona. I get to race the Ironman World Championship in Hawaii. And that can be a double-edged sword. It can either propel you to that absolute beyond your limits type of performance, or it can mess with your brain to the point where you actually you push too hard too early, you get caught up in the competition and you, you forget that you, you have to honor, you have to honor the tremendous difficulty of sustaining a strong effort throughout that entire day in Hawaii, which as everybody knows is very different than anywhere else. And I keep going on here, but, uh, since it's been so long since they've raced in Kona, uh, every, you know, the athletes have raced at other Ironmans throughout the world in the, in these few years, and so their memory is not necessarily going to be of Kona. It's going to be of how it felt in mm-hmm. Oklahoma or, you know, mm-hmm. wherever it was, Switzerland or wherever. And that is a very different feel than it's going to be when they're there in, in Hawaii racing. And as I tell athletes that I coach and, and talk about all the time, the tendency can be to uh, com- sort of gauge how you're doing in Hawaii based on those other experiences in other places. And so if but when you do that, you know. You might think, geez, I'm having the worst day of my life, the way I feel, because you're comparing it to Switzerland or Oklahoma yeah. or wherever. Yeah. However, you could be having the best Ironman Hawaii of your entire life. And so th- th- they're going to have to just kind of com- compartmentalize, push everything that's happened, you know, clear the chalkboard, wipe it clean and say, OK, let me see. I'm ready. I'm prepared. But let's see how this day unfolds and to respond to probably a lot of race dynamics that may might surprise somebody right, and exactly. then pull it off you know you know mark we've uh, had conversations before and i've always thought this to be the case is you know when you get an athlete even though they've had a great two years prior to kona but it's the first time on the island it's the first time racing the ironman world championship i always believed well that's a little bit of a disadvantage the veterans going over there that have raced it three, four, five times, even if they didn't win it, they have a leg up because they have been there before. But do you think that's probably not as true as it has been in the past? Because nobody's been there. It's even though, even though Ben Hoffman's going back for his, he's he's finished it nine times. Hmm. I mean, do you think the ones that have been there before, most recently, like the Patrick Langas and are going to have more of an advantage on that course than say Christian or Gustav or Braden Curry because he's raced it before, or doesn't it matter? I think I think that the one advantage that those who have experience on the course have is that they know how to train for it. They've been there, they've ra- raced in the conditions, and so they they I think they're better at sort of as they're going through their Ironman preparation right now kind of having it locked in the back of their mind, how this aspect of this bike ride is going to translate to me having a great race in Kona, how this course that I'm running today is going to help me on that marathon in Kona. That's an, that's experience that first timers don't have. But as far as the actual race dynamic itself, I think it's going to be, um, even though you, you think you remember, (laughs) you know, (laughs) when, when you get out there, hour three, four, five, six, the reality is going to be tougher than you might have in the back of your mind. And, uh, you know, we haven't had a, a massively challenging year as far as winds and conditions and stuff. It's been a while. Whether this year will be one of those, I don't know. We can't predict. But 
if it is, then that's going to take everybody by surprise, no matter how many years of experience you've had. Mark, I, you know, following all the pros as we do and, and the races that they're in, and it just seems to me that there's a lot of, obviously there's more opportunities for the pros to race with all the different factions in the sport, which I think is great. But it seems to me that unlike how you trained or even even as late as, uh, you know, Jan Ferdino trained, it seems like they're racing much closer to Kona, almost full effort much closer to Kona. Do you think that's a detriment or or is it just a building block for Kona? I think it's a bit of a detriment. So, for example, as we all know, there was the PTO US Open just a, a week ago, which is only a couple of weeks out from Hawaii. And for me, at that point in time in my training, I would have been very, very tired because I would have been right at the, the last bit of hardcore Ironman stuff. And then I need the, I need those last three weeks to kind of really ref- get refreshed and recovered and to, to throw a, a high-level world-class race in the mix of that. It would have been very hard for me. And, and you can see some of, the, some of the contenders were not there at that race. So, you know, some, some folks raced in at, at the PTO Open, great prize money. You can't blame them. Will it affect their race in Kona? It, it would be tricky to race really well at both. And so, um, you know, maybe like maybe that's what somebody like Lionel Sanders had in mind. You know, he he went to Dallas, but he had a lousy race. And in, in a certain sense, he finished 21st, I think. And he's, in my opinion, he's one of the top contenders for Kona. So either he's completely fried or he just kind of trained through it and said, whatever happens, happens. You know, all my eggs are actually going into Kona because I don't I know I don't have that many more chances to win Kona. And why would I not want to win that one? I, I'm seeing a lot of the uh, pros and even a lot of age groupers going over early, like they're there, you know, two weeks, three weeks prior to the event, four weeks prior to the event. Do you think that's kind of a new strategy for especially the pros? You know what? I'm going to get out there. I'm kind of on the tail end of my training, but I'm going to be able to ride the Javi. I'm going to be able to swim. You know, you think that's, part of their training now to get out there earlier and do some miles on the island? I know that a lot of folks were going basically directly over to Kona, uh, which will put them there, whatever, you know, three weeks in advance. I think that's too much. I did that one year. I went, um, Oh, I, I went about three weeks early because this was in the very early days with team J David. And, you know, we stayed out at the near in Waikoloa area. Waikoloa, yeah. And, and we, we thought, okay, this is going to be the secret because we're going to be here. We're going to train on the course. We're going to get used to it. You know, we'll be adapted to the heat. We'll be used to the wind. Nothing is going to be a shock for us. Well, it, everything went great for about a week and a half. And then it just exhausted me because it, <clears throat> it's hard to have an easy day there because of the conditions. It's hard yeah. to, because of the heat, it's, it, you're, you're, you're constantly getting dehydrated. You're losing electrolytes. It's very, very hard to recover from any type of real quality training in those in that kind of environment. If that had been the the secret sauce, everybody would have been doing that for years now. It is important to get there in advance if you can. You know, ten days is I think pretty ideal. But you know, three weeks is you really run a risk of being very flat by race day. And so it will be interesting for us to see. You know, more more pros than I have ever heard or seen are going over 
early, probably twice as early as normal. We'll see how they stack up against those who kind of stuck with their their strategy. Train in the places at home where it's not like you're traveling anymore. You know, you're in this environment that you're used to. You're used. To, there's nothing that's that's high stress. You, you don't have to get on the plane until it's time to actually, you know, it's go time. And and I think there's something also about getting there close enough to the race that you can contain the energy and the excitement and the anticipation all the way through till the gun goes off and then carry it all the way through on race day. Three weeks in advance, that excitement can actually wane a little bit. You kind of get used to being there and it, it can lose a little bit of that initial Iron Man's coming up. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's, you're right. Like you mentioned earlier, the unknown. I'm thinking back in my 32 years now in Kona. I, I have never seen so many unknowns in a race, in a, in a pro race. And there's probably a ton of unknowns in the age group race with two days racing, but that's not as advertised. So, uh, I, I, you know, I'll have you give advice at the end, but I got a feeling I kind of know what it is. Let's go through. I, I've got written down our top 10 seeds. Uh, as they're seated in Kona. And Christian Blumenfeld from Norway and Daniela Reef are, are number one on, on that side. Number two is Lionel and Katrina Matthews and Braden Curry and Annie Haug in, in there too. So uh, of those top three seeds, uh, you know, we always say anybody can win it. But of those top six, Christian, Daniela, Lionel, Katrina, Braden, Annie, can any one of those win it? Um, uh, definitely. <laughs> I, I think the, the men's champion and the women's champion are going to be in that, in those, in that, wow. in that list that you just mentioned. Wow. Um, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any surprises down lower that are going to be the one that can pull off the victory of top two, top three. Yes. You know, there's, I mean, there's, a, there's so many people who have talent now, but just looking at, um, just looking at the way, uh, and a lot of this I'm basing off of St. George, but just looking at the strength of Christian and Danny in St. George, I would find it very diff- very hard to bet against them in Kona. What about Daniela? Patrick? Obviously, because she has a huge, she has a, a vast amount of, of uh, yeah. experience there, and she is she's on fire. Like you said, when she came across that line and like. <laughs> Five, you know, I know. And afterwards she goes, Oh my God, I guess I was pretty emotional when I crossed the line. She said, I've never done anything like that. You know, it shocked her. And so I'm sure she's carrying that momentum with her in Dakota. Christian is just, he's a, to me, he's almost like a, an orca whale. Like he's just, you know, he's, he's got his sights on something and he's going to go for it. And he's going to do whatever it takes to get that. And he's, you know, obviously he's, he's backed up his performance with, performance his his uh, predictions with some great performances he's not in he's not completely invincible but uh i think hands down he's he would be sort of my favorite and it's it's hard for me to say that for a first timer to hawaii you know why would i bet against say patrick Langa, who has he's proven that he can he can win there Why, why would i bet against lionel sanders who knows that course and knows how to train for it but that's just my sense that I have is that Christian's going to be tough to beat. Well, you mentioned Patrick, as I did too, the, the sixth seed, along with Lucy, Charles Barclay. 
And uh, we saw the race she had at the 70.3 World Championships and was dominant there, but then got uh, injured not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Back, you know, hopefully she's back as strong as she can be back. You, you think that's a factor, that injury is a, is a factor in how she'll do? Uh, yeah, I think it, it has to be a huge factor. One, she missed a bunch of training. Two, uh, in the back of your mind, you're going to be nervous about really, I think, going for it the way you might normally had you not had that injury so so close. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, it's so present when you have that. Like every time you go out and you train after you have come back from it, there's that little part of your brain that's like, oh, yeah, okay, it's not there. Oh, yeah, no, okay, it's not there. Um, I was, I was super bummed for her when, you know, she announced that she had that injury because, you know, her 70.3 worlds was just, she was, she, she had become the athlete that that she and everybody else knew that she could be. And so had she had enough time to regain that type of, that level of fitness, I, I think, I personally think it would be hard for her too. um, but she's Lucy Charles Barkley. Well, we know we know she'll get out of the water up front. <laughs> we know, <laughs> we, no injury or no injury, we know that's true. You know, it's interesting, in the top 10, Mark, only two of them have won that race, Patrick Lange and Sebastian Keenley. And, and, you know, because Jan's not there. And uh, it just, it's interesting to me. You always would think you'd have more champions in that top 10, former champions mm-hmm. uh, in that. But then going down to the A seed of Gustav Eden and Laura Phillip, I don't know. When I look at those two names, uh, I'm not saying they're a dark horse. What I'm saying is they are. They can win that race, and they're the A seed. Yeah, they're they're they would be my um, very strong backup picks, uh, and and for different reasons, Gustav because uh, he's he's super patient. Mm-hmm. He. Um, he does not over race. He has been very conservative and picking his, his places that he goes. And every time he races, he does really well. Um, and he has also proven, you know, his first Ironman was sub eight hours. I mean, that's, that's otherworldly. You know, it's not like he built his way up to it. He, he, right. went, you know, whatever it was, 740 something first mm-hmm. Ironman ever. I mean, he knows how to do it, right? And he will be just as prepared as Christian, and both of them are in the same boat. They've never raced Kona before. So that, that'll be an interesting dynamic. I, Christian could possibly go a little too hard too early and have an epic explosion out there. I don't think Gustav Eden will get caught up in anything other than the right strategy for him to have his best race, period. So, I, de- I, yeah. Yeah, definitely a He's my my strong backup pick for champion, and probably maybe it's even even Stephen for those two. Laura Phillip, as you know, she's she trains a little bit differently than than a lot of the other women at this point, anyway. And maybe some of them are trying to emulate what she does, but you know, her training is based on her menstrual cycle. And certain mm-hmm. certain weeks during it, she'll be doing a lot of anaerobic work, a lot of strength work, and then another couple of weeks, she'll be doing very aerobic, more steady, longer distance, uh, over distance stuff. And it has worked so well for her. And so for sure, I think she could, 
she could be the surprise um the surprise that not many people are really talking about you know and, so and you know what uh, mark she wouldn't be a surprise for me if she was top three i mean not not at all just because she's she's so solid she just mm. and she gets on the run she's even she gets stronger as as the day goes on it's like there's no faltering there so she's kind of my top three uh in the back of my head that it wouldn't surprise me. I think it surprised a lot of people, but it wouldn't surprise me. Mm. And Gustav, I agree with you. I think Gustav Cerebral, he's he he's the thinker. He, not only in racing, but in training of his approach. And you're right. If he went out there six weeks ahead of time, he wouldn't get caught in the game. You know mm. what I mean? He just he's uh, he's one that sticks to the plan. Creates the plan with with uh, his coaches, sticks to the plan, and he never seems to get over excited about anything. You know, when mm-hmm. he did win that Ironman, he was excited, but it's it's like he's just so even keel, and I think that's an advantage for this year's this year's race. Hold on, everyone. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. Curad, the official medical supplier of Ironman. Let Curad keep you strong so those strains and pains of training and you trying to find your finish line go away. With their wraps, races, and tape, and especially their far-infrared kinesiology tape that'll keep you strong through all your training. Check out their products today on Amazon.com, at Walmart, and Ironman.com, and let Curad help you find your finish line. You know, the ninth seeds, the two Americans that we both love, Tim O'Dono and Heather Jackson. Uh, Tim, as a matter of fact, has eight finishes in Kona, right behind Ben and Sebastian Keenley, like the third most finishes, uh, second most, because Sebby's got uh, eight finishes. And Heather's got six finishes there. Do you think uh, for Tim and Heather, it's, it's kind of the end of the train uh, time, time for them with Kona? I, I think so. Um... I'm I'm pretty sure for Tim that this is this is going to be the last one, the grand finale, and you know, hey, you guys get to go out on the same day, kind of cool. <laughs> um, yeah. And then Heather, I would I would guess also just um, I'm not sure that there's many more stones to uncover for her to to improve, to get better, and and she does seem like the kind of athlete that likes to see if she can get better to not just race to race, but to really try to improve her performance or placing and all of that. I, I spoke with Tim a little bit at, um, 70.3 Santa Cruz. And he said, you know, at, in, from his perch where he's standing, he said, it, it just seemed like a lot of the season that sort of let the, the, the pressure off the, the pedal a little bit during COVID, but the up and comers just kept it floored and they've made these just massive gains in their, in their performance or their fitness and experience outside of racing itself that they've gained through their training. And, uh, you know, obviously like everybody else, there was a little bit of a shock factor with that. And so he, he wasn't rolling over and playing dead, but he just, he just acknowledged the fact that, wow, you know, things have changed since, uh, since 2019. And I mean, the, the top, the top three, uh, people on the on the pto list are two norwegians and a and a danish guy danish. right you know it's like <laughs> it, it's just amazing and they're all young uh, you know basically everybody's under 30 and you know as we know in kona it, usually you've got to be over 30 to really 
put together some really solid, consistent performances. But we'll, I think we, we're going to see that these guys are well ahead of the curve. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, Ben Hoffman was is in the same boat as as Tim. On um, all of a sudden, what happened? Where'd these guys come from? And they just kept flying through it. But I always have this, you know, patter in my heart that I want to see Ben do so well, just because I think mm-hmm. he's on the Gustav. He 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 has the same type of analogy. Just that thinker. He's he plods along. He grinds. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if Ben was in the top five. It really hmm. wouldn't. No, he's a, and he is he is a great guy. He's so quiet, and uh, you know, I like know. on his social, on his social media, all you see him doing is is training, right? So you think he doesn't have another life outside of training, but he has a family, and he's, you yeah. know, and it's uh, same as Tim, yeah, yeah, and it's great, just great to. Um, so I've got see one him. for you that yeah. I, uh, you know, I knew of him because he trains with Lionel, but. He comes to Mont Treblanc and uh, took it out hard on the bike. Nobody really went with him. You had Cody Beals there and a couple others. And then he just keeps hammering on the run. And then Colin Chartier out of Virginia just came out of, didn't come out of nowhere, but he did on his Ironman win. And then had a good race, uh, obviously, at PTO. What, what do you think his chances are? I, I don't think he knows what his talent really is. You know what I mean? He, I think he actually knows what his talent is, but he's wow. just waiting. He's just waiting for it to um, sort of manifest. Like I got to meet him for the first time in person at um, the Collins Cup two years ago, and uh, I, I, the, you could just tell there was something about his progression and just his approach to things. Like, okay, this guy could be one of the very top contenders in this sport. Uh, he's not quite there, but then, you know, in the, in the race at Collins cup, he had an amazing day. Mm-hmm. And then, um, just, just watching him at, uh, in Dallas at the PT open winning that with, with a run form that, um, is the kind of run form that, that you need for to, uh, a great marathon in Hawaii. He had kind of a, almost a cross between Craig Alexander and, and Annie Haug, you know, he just had this super fast cadence and he was so steady and he was very linear there was zero wasted motion and for a great marathon in hawaii that's what you need you need that you know you need that uh you know marinda car free perfect form to not waste energy because it's such an energy equation out there so um i think i think he's he he would be somebody that that could be a dark horse and i also heard and this may may or may not be true that um, he had done a huge, huge um, Ironman training weekend the weekend before um, PTO Dallas because Kona, Kona is his focus, and he and his coach um, were sort of like, "Well, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna do this because Kona's the, the focus, and you can't miss, you can't let this weekend drop down on the volume because you can't make it up." in two weeks after, after Dallas. And so whatever happens in Dallas is fine. If you race well, then we know that you recovered from it. And if you race like crap, well, then we just rest you a little bit more. And so that's a, that's a, that's a cool kind of approach to the risk. Like, Hey, I'm going to stay on track with what's the really big picture here. I'm going to throw in this race. And if I do well, awesome. And if I don't, I don't give a shit. Uh, Sorry for the language, but I don't care, you know? Yeah. Um, and, And so he's, yeah, he's he he's uh, he's amazing, and you know, maybe 
who knows, maybe he might be the first American to win that race since Tim the Boom. I, I, if it's not this year, I think he's got a shot if he keeps his strong plan and keeps his head about him. But he's another one, as you said, the, the younger crop, it used to be 30 to 40 we'd worry about. Now we're worrying about 25 to 30, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with, with the ages. You know, the other one I want to mention, and she won't be there, and you and I uh, have so much respect for her, is Lindsay Corbin. Mm-hmm. If, if she'd have made it to Kona, it would have been her 15th, the most by any male or female pro in the history of the sport. She still owns it at 14 finishes for the males and uh, females, but uh, she got injured. So props out to Lindsay and we wish you would be there and, and mm-hmm. you're going to be there. I know uh, in spirit. So it was tough scene. It's always tough seeing something like that when someone has a big plan and it's their last one and it kind of gets taken away from them. So I, I felt for her. Yeah. When I, when I heard that, I was like, Oh, that's, that's such a shame. Cause you, you want to, you want to end it on a good note on your terms and right. um you know injury is part can be part and parcel with what you're doing when you're pushing the limits like that and i think that's <clears throat> that's actually one of the big stories this year is um just the number of of top pros who have gotten injured who have missed races mm-hmm. because of stress fractures injuries you know i mean we haven't spoken about him yet but alistair brownley looked like Okay, the guy's back. He's he, he's going to be there. He, you know, he qualified in Sweden, and he it, went really fast. And so he's going to be in Kona, and it's going to be another huge person to have on that start line. And all of a sudden, we find out he's got a stress fracture, what, in his femur, I think it is. And so he's out. Jan Frodeno's out. You know, Lucy Charles was injured. I mean, the list is massive. And so I have to ask myself, what's what's going on? You know, why are why are so many pros getting injured now? And some people have said, well, it's because they race all year round. But you know, think about Greg Welsh yeah. and the Australians. They raced all all of our winter down in their sum, summer, short, fast, high intense racing, and then they'd come up to the northern hemisphere and race the entire season up here. And they they didn't seem to have that same uh, issue with people having stress fractures all the time and missing races because they were injured. So I don't know what the answer is, but I'm sure there's some reason why it's like that now. Now, the other one on the women's side, uh, she won Ironman Lake Placid. It was her comeback race, Sarah True. Uh, When I think of Sarah, God, so much talent. She just had Mm. so much talent. She took off. Well, she had uh, had a baby, uh, about a year old now, and uh, came back to Placid. Sarah had that uh, tough race in Germany that broke down, what, probably three years ago, before the pandemic, but then had the baby. And, and in Lake Placid, my jury was out. I don't know, but she just looked so strong, so happy, ha- had this great attitude about her. Uh, so Sarah True is another one where she's got nothing to lose in Kona, does she? <laughs> Mm. No, and you know, I was I was there live in in Germany at, in Frankfurt when she had that yeah. massive collapse. I mean, she was she was in the lead. She was going to win it, but that weekend was one of one of the very hottest on record nice. in Europe. Yeah. Period. And even even spectating was just um, it was super super challenging. You felt like you were going to pass out. And so anyway, she she did. She collapsed literally like. I don't know, so, so, so close to the finish. And uh, 
but that was just that was so it was hard to watch you know because here she is obviously clearly talented obviously the fittest on the day but her body just couldn't manage that that, that amount of heat hopefully she's strong ready to go and uh kona is not going to be as hot as it was in, in germany that day so she's 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 got a great chance to do something amazing yeah i i think she really does and, you know, when you take a look at the 52, there's 52 female professionals and I think 54 or 55 males, uh, they're going to be towing that start line. You know, it's interesting to me when I, they get in the watermark and I'm standing on the end of the pier and I can, can, you know, I can recognize some swim strokes because I've seen them like you so many years, but then you, they look up at you and I go, oh, there's so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And they all have this look like, they are at least half of them truly believe they can win the race. That's why they're there. And uh, with so many pros in the race on both the male and female side, if you're in that mix and you're you've never won an Ironman before, I mean, is it is it just a matter of talent or is it a matter of somebody having a day that people think they could never have? You know, I before I ever won there, I felt like I could win. And, you know, looking around, like you said, pretty much yeah. every other pro that was on my left and on my right, they had the same look in their face. And so I and the, the crazy thing is that I just never knew how it was going to happen, even after I had won. You know, each time I was out there in the six wins at the race start, I was looking around going, they think they can win. They think they can win. I think I can win. And I have no idea how how any of us are going to do it, how it's going to happen. And that's. I think that sort of unknown factor is bigger in Kona than at any other race that you that you line up against. And part of it is, like you said, there's over 50 pro men, 50 pro women, and they're all top notch. It's not like there's any hacks in there, and and so you know it's going to be a very very challenging and difficult day. But it, the one that sort of rises up and rises above is is the one that is 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 has that they've found a way to combine that thing where they're racing everybody else and they're doing their own race at the same mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. and it, you know when those two things come together where you 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 are competing against these other people if if i'll tell you a secret mike <laughs> if dave scott had not been there in 1989 and i was out there on my own it probably would have taken me like 16 hours and 59 <laughs> minutes you know but so you have to you have to compete, but at the same time, you have to be doing your own race. And when you, and you're you're just trying to merge those two together so that they're in the same place. And when you when you achieve that, that's when you get locked into this thing that you you can you can feel it starting to unfold. Instead of things feeling like they're unraveling, it's starting to feel like it's unfolding. And that's a that's a huge shift. And so, um, all you. Hope to winners out there, take that bit of advice and stick it in your brain and remember it on race day. Well, I, I tell you, I think that's the best advice for the pros because the unknowns, you can go through all the training, do everything correctly, but when you get on the island and on that race day, shit happens that you don't know it's going to happen. <laughs> it, just, it just is. It's... it's it's much different for all of us, working the race, watching the race, the whole deal. You go, what was that? And I think uh, you're right. They've just got to adjust to the day, and whoever whoever conquers the day uh, is going to conquer that race. Mm -hmm. Mark, we've got, my gosh, on Thursday, 
all the women are racing and some of the men, some of the, uh, and then on Saturday, all the men are racing and it's broken up. So Thursday, nobody really has raced on a Thursday in a long time. Think about it. When you race Thursday, what, what happened to Saturday or Sunday? You know, it's like mm-hmm. Thursday. And when I first heard that, I go, how can you race on Thursday? So you get there earlier, you readjust and the whole deal. But the age groupers, I, I've talked to so many and I, I hate using this word, but they're freaking out a little. They, mm-hmm. they really are uh, because they haven't been there either. And some have never been there. And obviously we got a lot of uh, legends going there. What advice would you have to those age groupers, both male and female? Well, just to remember that you've done the training. So take confidence in that. Even if it didn't go perfectly for you, you, you are ready. And second piece of advice, and I, I mentioned it earlier in the show, was to really try not to judge how you're doing based on other experiences you've had in the sport because Hawaii is such a unique experience. So just let the day unfold and manage yourself, of course. Eat, drink, pace yourself properly. Try to have the best day that you can, and, but try not to judge whether it's you're having a good day or a bad day. Just It's just a day that you're having and to just just to try to get the best you can out of this moment right here and the one after that and the one after that and and to understand that 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 your um your uh sort of experience of the day is going to evolve as the day evolves so mm-hmm. you start out in the in the beginning in the swim and you're nervous and there's this anticipation and you're fresh and there's people and you, you know you're jostling and you're trying to settle into your rhythm and you're trying to pull the best you can out of yourself and then you make it through the swim and it's like, Ooh, okay, now we're on the bike. And you know, you can see the world again. You come up that ramp and there's Mike Riley calling you guys up off the ramp and he's going, come on, you know, and then you're, you're out on the bike. And at first it's kind of exciting because you're on the bike and you're in Hawaii and you're, you're heading out toward Waikoloa and then you're climbing up to Javi and then you're dealing (laughs) with some winds and then you make it back to Javi, back to Kauai high. And then you got to do that steep climb to get back on the queen queen kahumanu highway and it's always a tailwind and your core temperature always rises about 200 degrees and you get to the top of that thing and you're like holy guacamole batman what did i get myself into and then it starts to get kind of real you know like ooh, this is this is kind of cool but it's getting really tough and i still have a long way to go and i can't even think about a marathon right now but these are okay thoughts to have you're gonna make it through and then, you know, you, you work your way and you finally get back to town and then, you know, you come into the transition area and there's Mike Riley calling you into the transition and getting out onto the run. And when you start out, when you're putting your shoes on, there's that part of your brain that's like, there is no way I'm going to be able to run a marathon. <laughs> you know, it's it sounds like running to Mars. It sounds like as impossible as anything. And so you have to just, you know, it's like just... Rain it back back in. All you're worried about right now is getting out of the transition area and getting on the run and getting your legs, your running legs back and getting into your rhythm and keep getting your breathing relaxed and letting your your anxiety sort of move to the background and then just work on the task at hand. One foot, the other foot, the other foot, the other foot. And, you know, you'll go through that and there'll be points where you think you can't keep going, but you'll find a way and a reason to keep going. And if nothing else, just think back on not only the training you did, but the support you've had from 
family, from friends, from training partners. And this is your moment to honor that that help that they've get, provided you with to be able to get there to this amazing race. And as you move through those, through those tough moments, each time you do, you find a, a part of yourself that you never knew you had, really. And, you, and it sets up this sort of internal energy and momentum that carries you that next step into the next and the next. And then at some point, obviously, you realize you're giving the best that you have to give. And then eventually, you reach that point where all of a sudden you realize, I am going to make it to the finish line. And then as we all know, who have experienced it, you come down Elite Drive and you know, you're, you're called across the line. And it's, it's just this culmination of momentum that has taken place that is now yours. You own it. And it's just amazing. That's great advice. And, and uh, every age grouper should always realize uh, they put in the time and the effort and they own it. It's yours. And that finish line is yours. So just get your butt there and some guy will yell, a, yell something to you. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and you, hopefully you'll remember it for a while. Mark, what, what, do you think, about, what do you think what, of the two days of racing, Mike? Well, I, uh, you know, I think, I think it's fantastic to be able to break up the, the men and women. Uh, I, I, you know what it does, too, from, from my side, the spectator side. To think, think about all the Saturday athletes. They get to watch an Ironman. They get mm. to spectate, to sit around, stand around. I don't want you standing all day watching the race for 17 hours, you know. But be smart about it. Whether you're up on a Lee Drive or you know, a Polani or at the hot corner, you get to experience watching an Ironman on Thursday. And then the Thursday athletes get to experience watching it on Saturday. If I was racing... I would love to do the race on Thursday mm-hmm. and party my buns off on Saturday, yelling at everybody. <laughs> I mean, how good, how good. We, I know we'll see our uh, champions out there on the course from Thursday and, and uh, watching the race on Saturday. So I, I think it, like you say, there's so many unknowns, so many variables we've never experienced before in all our years in the sport. So I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. I, I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be special. It really will. Yeah, I, I think the Thursday athletes won the lottery. You know, they're like, <laughs> you know, they got the best yeah. of all the worlds. They get to do. Hey, they get to experience the race, and they get to watch the race. And when they're watching, they don't. They're not even. They're done. It's, you know, the Saturday athletes. They're they they're going to watch want to watch some, but at the same time, their their brain is going to be on half half bake already because they're still thinking about the race coming yeah, up. Yeah, because two days. I, on on Thursday we've got all the women, and then the. Men 65 plus, the men 60 to 64, the men 50 to 54, and the men 25 to 29. Oh my gosh, the 25, 29, they'll be out there on Saturday killing it. They'll mm. be, you know, partying. So mm. that's our waves on uh, Thursday. So, Mark, tell me a little bit about uh, TriDot and your association with them. You just came on board with them, seen a lot of great stuff that you've done. So tell us about it and, and uh, what, it, what it's all about. Yeah, TriDot is a it's a coaching platform. They have just this amazing um, way of taking all of the all of the data that everybody's collecting these days and making sense out of it, so that it helps to um, optimize your your future training. It's it's actually it, it's built by a company called Predictive Fitness, and that's kind of what this whole their whole fo- focus is. It's like 
let's look at all of this data that people are getting and figure out what it means and and use that to then carry people forward in a way that's that's working with how their body's responding to the training that they're getting and how it's responding to the amount of hours that they have and making sure that their their zones are are accurate for them based on not only assessments that they do but also based on whether the day is hot or if the day is cold because you know how it is if yeah. it's a nice cool winter day you can run really fast and on a summer day you've got to rain you got to put the brakes on because you're going to blow up and trying to go to that same pace because because of the heat all of that is part of what takes place in the in the tri-doc coaching and uh it was it was a move that it, it has so many of the features that I knew that I had to incorporate into my training uh, of athletes if I was going to stay current. And wow. if I didn't do that, then I would be left in the dust. Um, and it, so what, it, and also what it does is it, it just takes the, it takes the, the brain drain out of it for both the coaches and the athletes, uh, because they're, they're algorithms that have been developed over 15 or 20 years, assimilate all of this information and help you help it, help, make sense in a very simple manner as an athlete and as a coach. So for, you know, it's sort of like, um, you know, how back in the old days, the doctor would show up at your house with a stethoscope and stick it on your chest and say, okay, now breathe and cough. And, and out of that, they're supposed to divine, you know, whatever it is that you have that's, that's wrong with you, you know, basically no metrics. And nowadays doctors have like, you can go in and get, get an MRI, this thing that, takes all of these this massive amount of data and turns it into something that is makes simple sense that then the doctor can use to help you be fit be healthier and get rid of whatever your problem is same with what they do with predictive fitness it's it's super cool and it's and it's also not just about the numbers it's also they have a great community their facebook page is super active uh and so no matter where you're training or where you're racing you're always going to end up finding some tried out folks and can be a part of that. And we're actually going to be launching a Mark Allen edition within TriDot um, right, right around Kona. And in that, there will be tons of content that are were created uh, in conjunction with me. It, it's uh, You're going to have video tips, tips that are go- going to come into all of your workouts with you know drills and how to do core work and functional strength work and uh, things to improve your mechanics, swimming, cycling, and running. And and just uh, a lot of tips on how to train and race smart, and so it'll have it'll have my my touch and flair and signature on it, along with you know their their uh, their AI intelligence that really helps everything be fine tuned. So you can sign up for that, the Mark Allen edition in TriDot. Uh, get on the waiting list, and uh, when it launches, you can be a part of the launch because the people on the list will get uh, a sneak preview early. So it's going to be pretty cool. That's good. That, that's exciting. And, and uh, uh, TriDot was nice enough to have me on their podcast. And I just couldn't, when I was at Ironman Wisconsin, I could not believe how many people came up to me. And, oh, we heard there was a great podcast. And, and it's nice being on the other side of the microphone, mm-hmm. so to speak, when somebody's asking the question. So they did a fantastic job. And it was my pleasure to be, be on. And I, I thank them for that. And by the way, you know, I'm not doing a whole lot next year, Mark. So if tried out, if you need a voiceover guy or somebody to, you know, yell at, <laughs> yell at, yell at people, you know, somebody, I get you better get out there and train. <laughs> you know, we could, we could, that could be part of your app. You know, who is that? You know, <laughs> scare them into training. <laughs> I know the new Mark Allen method. Get your ass out there and go. You know? 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I, I actually I heard the the Try Up podcast with you. It was a great one. And uh, Andrew, who is the the mm-hmm. MC of their podcast, he's he's a great guy and really really good at setting up the structure and helping people reveal some pretty cool stuff that I got to learn about you. Yeah, that was it. It was fun. So, Mark, I will see you on the island of Hawaii uh, very soon. And I know we'll uh, uh, maybe have a beer together. I know we'll be both BS somewhere. You know, there's functions every night. I think I start Saturday night. It's like before the race. So uh, we're kind of everywhere this year because it's all jammed into the week with two mm-hmm. race days. So, But thank you very much for uh, being on Find Your Finish Line again. Uh, I, I can say right now you're my most favorite guest because you're the one that's been on here the most. So, <laughs> wow. Oh, thank you. I, I love being, yeah. I love, I love chatting with you. We always come up with some good stuff and uh, can't wait to see you live in person in Kona. Everybody, this is going to be his final call of Kona. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it's so, it's, it's pretty exciting. And uh, Mike is a, he's, he's a legend and he has created a legacy that will be remembered forever in our sport and really has, I I think you're a big part of actually helping create the family feel of this sport and and how you, how you acknowledge people, how you're aware of athletes. You've been to so many races over so many years. You, you know, you know, the athletes, you know, a lot of them, you know, many of them and you know, their stories and, and you can highlight that. And, and just the fact of, you know, calling somebody's name when they cross the finish line at an Ironman, that, to me, that just, that like seals the deal. It, it just yeah. takes that whole day's experience and it puts it right in there because, and it makes it personal because, you know, when I cross the line, if you say, you, Mark Allen, you are an Ironman, that's me. It's me that mm-hmm. just did that. Oh, my God. You know, so thank you, Mike. Well, I look forward to seeing you in Kona. Thank you, Mark. I, I appreciate that very much. Uh, what'll be good about Kona too is I have a lot of my family members there. It's going to be, that's going to be very, very special. Well, I'm going br- for- to bring you a box what? of Kleenex because you're going to need those. I'm sure. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do my best. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to do my best. You know, friends like you, I don't need enemies because with that, I start tearing up. You'll be going, look at you, Mike. Look at you. Look at you. you know? <laughs> I can just see it. <laughs> Uh, thanks again, everyone, for joining us for Find Your Finish Line, presented by Kirad Performance, the official medical supplier of Ironman. Far red infrared technology. This is no bull. I got a bad wrist, and I tell you what, this stuff works great. So you can get it at the booth in Kona at the expo. Till the next time, everybody, make sure you go out and find your finish line. Aloha. <laughs>